Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about storytelling principles because it's very important to consider in your marketing message if you create content because customers don't buy from boring messages, boring content, and it's important to share your story that Apple does, BMW does, many other big brands uh, always do. Uh, and I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Robert Carnes. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, big pleasure, big pleasure, man. Uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about storytelling principles. Absolutely. So uh, I work full-time as the marketing manager for Green Melon, uh, which is a digital agency here in Atlanta where I'm based. Uh, I think you had my boss actually on Mickey Melon uh, on, the, on your show a few weeks ago. Um, so mm -hmm. I work closely with him. Yeah. And, and a few of the rest of our team to create uh, websites and digital presences for, um, for our clients. Uh, I specifically as the marketing manager oversee the strategy for our clients. Uh, and especially how they can build uh, their marketing presence beyond just their website with blogging, with content, email marketing, those pieces. So that's my full-time role. I also am a freelance um, copywriter. I do web development on the side. I do a little bit of marketing consulting with a few other clients. So I've done that throughout my career. My background is, has been in marketing, but in a couple of different industries, obviously at an agency now, but I, I worked in um, college athletics uh, when I was in college. Uh, I worked in a couple different nonprofits and churches here in the Atlanta area. So I've, I've worked around kind of in an in-house uh, marketing, doing marketing for a couple different types of organizations before landing where I am now. But as you said, our, our topic today is storytelling. And that's kind of been the, the through line uh, through everything that I've done, all the different kind of uh, career paths that I've taken uh, and companies and organizations that I've worked for. It's really been about helping them to discover their story, helping them to, to connect with an audience uh, and let them know how they can help that audience with whatever you know, product or service that they're, they're selling. And that's um, what I enjoy helping our clients do at Green Melon is, is to discover their story and, and connect with the right audience with the right message. So um, I've, I've also written a few books as well, and, and they've all been about storytelling, and especially how businesses can tell their story. So that's, a, again, a topic I, I love to talk about and, and very passionate about. Wow, love your experience. I am extended, extended experience. Okay, I have a bunch of questions. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I want to start from my live topic. I love reading books. No, uh, it's my passion. No, uh, I remember when I overwatched TV many years ago, then uh, I got it. No way. I need to change something. And uh, according to some data, people watch six hours a day TV a lot. And yeah, it's hard to develop, to go ahead. Uh, I changed my bad habit to a good one right now. Uh, I love reading a lot more before the sleep, but I found one interesting thing. Many business books are good for sleeping. You know, when you have the problem with sleeping, you can take some of these books and sleep well all night. I don't remember <laughs> anything from this book. So can you tell your methods of writing? Because you uh, have experience with copywriting, freelancing, uh, writing book. So uh, tell how to write uh, text that people uh, will be interested to read. For example, 
Майлавин офер из Джек Лампа. You know, he wrote books uh, 100 years ago, mm-hmm. but when I take his books, I can't stop. Uh, I can read the entire book because I can feel that I am the part of the journey you know, uh, of this adventure. Uh, I, I have this feeling uh, that uh, uh, I'm in a new world, you know, a new environment, and I can take it. Uh, so, yeah, and then once uh, I had the conversation with Jim Edwards. Uh, he has been working 10 years in Business Insider. Uh, they started company from scratch uh, and sold for 500 million dollars, thousand employees. But you know, he shared one interesting thing. Uh, they decided to create non-boring content in boring niche. So uh, they changed approaches, uh, changed the game, and it's interesting to consume this content. That's why they have such huge audience. Can you tell about writing non-boring content that people can consume until then? Yeah, that's I think very relatable. I think a lot of people find what businesses put out oftentimes to be boring. Um, and and we're, like you said, I mean, it's so easy to watch TV with all the different streaming platforms out there. Like that's easily consumable content, right? And I think so many of them, they just have great stories. That's one of the reasons why we're drawn to films and movies. Um, I think books and reading like Jack London, I mean, there are great stories there as well. You just have to yeah. work a little bit harder Um, so as a content creator, as a storyteller, how do you create content that isn't boring and that actually connects with an audience? I I think just like everything else within marketing, it begins with understanding who that audience is. Like, what are they looking for? Why, why are they, why should they read your blog post, your book, your ebook, any of those type of pieces that you're trying to put out, like put yourself in their shoes first. Uh, because often if you just write things by default and you write things for yourself, it's going to be interesting to you. It's going to mean something to you, but it may not mean anything to the person you're trying to write it for. And you may never actually find an audience because you're your audience, right? So if you start by putting yourself in their shoes first and you empathize with them and you try to like understand, maybe even talking to them directly and say like, what kind of stuff interests you? Um, I think that helps. And of course, to tie it back to our topic today, I think telling stories and not just dumping content, dumping data, Uh, on top of them, I think that's going to make it a lot more interesting. And that's one of the, like, I wrote the book on storytelling. And in order to to write that, I researched and read a lot of books on storytelling. And they were great. They were informative. But so many of them were just data and research heavy and didn't actually tell any stories themselves. And so that was one of the things I tried to do in my book about storytelling was tell so many examples of businesses and organizations that have done a good job with storytelling and explained why they did it and what they did and yeah, just just told their story, and I think that made it a lot more, hopefully, a lot more interesting for my audience to actually read it. Nice, you convinced me. You know, I'm going to read your books because you know I have extended list of books that I need to read. So yeah, I put your books on my list. By the way, guys, you can find all these books in the description below on our podcast. So yeah, I recommend to read it. And uh, I have the question about uh, you mentioned that you need to understand the reader. You need to understand the audience who will consume your content. Uh, but, you know, I found one interesting thing that many uh, well-known bloggers usually uh, share their personality. You know, uh, they uh, play themselves, uh, become themselves. They don't copy others. Uh, uh, and um, audience can uh, follow them because of their personality. Can you tell how to find the balance between uh, data 
about your audience uh, if i learn my audience but it's not my personality i i wanna uh, change approach i wanna be myself so can you tell to find this balance between uh, being yourself and your audience yeah that's a great question and as a writer i care a lot about my voice right i want to be distinctive i want to be someone that my audience can trust so yeah you want to have empathy for your audience and you want to understand them but not necessarily copy them not necessarily but you may be even a member of your own audience but you want to stand out as an individual as somebody that they can trust um, and that takes time i think first of all uh, as a writer or i mean as a speaker as a podcaster whatever like it takes time to develop that voice and figure out what your personality is like and what connects with people um, sometimes it begins by just studying the people that inspired you, the authors that you like, the influencers or the, the podcasters or speakers um, that you find interesting, like what about them stands out? What is meaningful about how they speak or how they write? So kind of beginning with some of that imitation is a way to start and then slowly develop um, your own kind of personality, your own creativity. You know, how much humor do you use? How, um, you know, are you more data driven or are you more kind of story driven? Like, all of those little details come and develop over time. Um, but I also think getting feedback from your audience and understanding, uh, okay, did this resonate? Let me try something else. You know, I'm going to try a few jokes in this podcast episode and see if that got more listens or if that you know had a longer listen time. Um, so you know, testing some of those things out and being able to measure them with data, but then also just anecdotal feedback, asking some of your friends, some of your colleagues, you know, how well this went. And, you know, that allows you to study over time what's effective, what's not effective, what do you like, what is your audience like? And and hopefully that kind of helps you delineate between yourself and just your audience. Because again, they're they're turning to you as the expert, as the person who that they know and trust on a certain subject matter. So um yeah, that's easy to say, but it's it's much harder to do and it just takes time and practice to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about big brands. For example, I love learning from big brands like Apple. For example, uh, I remember when Tim Cook uh, on presentation uh, shared information about new Apple Watch, uh, how this Apple Watch can decide problems. After that, I bought three pairs. I can't buy only one for me because I need to buy for my son, for my wife. They will kill me if I forget about them. But, you know, it's interesting. By the way, uh, I have no this Apple Watch because uh, the Atlantic Ocean owns my Apple Watch right now. So <laughs> <laughs> it happens. But, you know, uh, it's interesting. I found that Apple doesn't submit a lot of features. Uh, if you open Apple.com, you see a nice looking picture. And uh, a few quotes, uh, very short quotes. Uh, on presentation, uh, Tim Cook didn't share how uh, many features Apple Watch has. Uh, he shared how it can help to decide my problems, how to they can help to simplify my life and many other stuff. And yeah. I watched this uh, presentation got wow, I need to buy it. I want to have it. So can you tell how to provoke this feeling that you can own something? own products because you know uh, for example i can buy many other watches uh, yeah. but i pay over price you know for apple watch for example i compared uh airpod pro uh, that i bought for 250 dollars with meizu that i bought for 40 dollars you know i didn't find the difference probably we have difference i don't know but i i couldn't find uh so uh but uh i'm willing to pay more for Apple, why? Tell how to provoke this feeling, no, by sharing stories. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great example. Uh, and I think Apple is, is an easy one a lot of people turn to because they've done it so well. They, they're not just selling the hardware or the computer or the software. Yeah. Like they're selling that experience. They're selling kind of the pride that, well, I'm an, I'm an Apple guy. I've got the AirPods. I've got the Apple Watch. Like there's so many people who are dedicated followers of Apple as a brand and, and many others, Nike, Chick-fil-A, Delta. I mean, there's so many different examples in each different kind of niche industry um, that where people, again, like you said, are willing to pay more um, for maybe a comparable product in, when it comes to features, but they're they're buying that brand. They're buying the experience that comes with it. And, and you know, you open a, a box of an, an Apple product that, you know, whether it's the watch or the iPhone or whatever it is, and it's almost an experience just opening the box, right? They don't have the list of features on the outside because they just have that that logo and you know and understand um, what you're getting out of it, right? So that's the story that we tell themselves, the, ourselves. The brand is the story that we're, ta- we're telling ourselves about this computer or about this pair of shoes or about um, the, you know, the meal that we're buying from this restaurant, right? The, the brand is the story. And so mm-hmm. just like with anything else, it takes time. It takes time to build that reputation up. It took Apple a long time and it, they kind of shook things up and were, you know, pretty risky when they first did that. Um, but they've, yeah, they are one of the big brands, like you said, that have paved the way towards that. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do, right? You can chase price and just be the most cost-effective one. And at least, you know, if you're known for that, that's okay. But you can also chase the value and you can chase understanding your audience and, you know, helping them kind of understand what their pain point is and then helping them overcome that. Um, and Apple has done an incredibly good job of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm just kind of reiterating what you said. Like they've just done a really, really good job of understanding who their audience is and then delivering a product that they're just going to go crazy about and buy every single time there's a new version of their product out there. Um, yeah. And that's the power yeah. of storytelling. Yeah. Okay. I have the question about improving writing skills. For example, in my company, uh, I usually cooperate with authors that have proven record uh, because I know for me, it's important to save my time. Uh, if I know that uh, authors can write uh, text that people read, that uh, Google ranks, that uh, gets a lot of engagement on social media, so I, I want to cooperate with this offer. But, uh, you know, uh, I have some uh, students uh, on my audience and they want to learn how to improve writing skills. Uh, many marketing books, uh, experts share, you need to create only high quality content. But, you know, how to do it without experience? I don't know. For example, uh, I, uh, I failed many times uh, by creating the first piece of content many times. Uh, this Even the second, the fourth, uh, uh, probably a hundred times you can fail, you know, but you can learn to improve your skills. And um, I think it's important to write a lot. And uh, I like more uh, the approach of Gary Vee. And he shared, you need to uh, forget about quality and think about quantity because quantity brings experience confidence of creating high quality content and many great offers usually write plus thousand words a day they do it without any excuses just write 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 to improve writing skills can you tell your methods how to improve writing skills because you have experience in uh, copywriting uh, writing books just tell how, how to do it i, I mean a perfect lead in because i think yeah that quality um, or quantity leads to quality. 
just practicing mm-hmm. doing it every single day, building up a habit of writing regularly. And I think writing a, a lot of different types of content, not just, I mean, I've written lots of blog posts, but I've also written white papers and eBooks. I've written full length books. I've written even just like creative writing, fictional short stories. Um, I'm, you know, working on a novel, like doing a lot of different types of content because each one builds a different set of writing skills that's, that helps kind of lend themselves to other pieces, right? Um, different links, like short form, you know, social media pieces, all the way to 10,000, 20,000 word um, pieces. Like those, those take different skills. And so if you're able to try and practice different types, uh, it, it really helps. But like you're saying, like if you just do a thousand words a day, 500 words a day, 200 words a day, and just make it regular habit, um, one, you're going to just, you're going to get better at it. Hopefully that means you're going to enjoy it a little bit more and you're going to know what it takes to be able to write quality content. Um, it's going to force you to, to put some of that stuff in front of people. Um, I know a lot of folks like to blog every single day. Seth Godin is a great example of just putting out, yeah. I mean, he probably puts out three or 400 words a day and he may have, have had to write a thousand or 2000 words to get to those right three or 400 words. So know that editing is another kind of piece of that too, that it's not just about putting words down on a page or on a screen and then just immediately pushing them out there. You've got to take some time to write the words first, take some, you know, a breath, then go back and edit them, read them. How do they sound? You know, fix those little mistakes, polish things up, remove those unnecessary words. Uh, and then, you know, that's going to show you, you know, rereading your work is going to show you, okay, where do I need to improve here? Um, you mentioned uh, that you're reading a lot more. I think one, reading good writing is also one of the best ways to, to become a better writer too, because you're seeing so many examples of, of people who were doing a good job writing. They, you know, they have all the experience of writing well. And so you're going to learn from them. If you read their blog posts, if you read their eBooks, if you read their, you know, their novels, read a lot of different types of writing as well. And if you put those two things together, again, that takes a lot of time. It's an investment of time, but then on the back end, you know, years later, you're going to just be so much better as a result of it. Yeah, nice. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I love Seth Godin. I love his books. Uh, uh, I'm not a reader of his book. Uh, I check out a few times, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I think he provides a good job. You no, know, just to write a lot. Uh, but um, you know, uh, I think it's important to do without excuses. Just do your job. I remember when. Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, shared uh, why he still training, uh, and someone asked him, "Why, why are you doing? You're an old man." And he replied, "Okay, why you clean your teeth? Why you breathe uh, air?" So <laughs> it's the same. It's habit. It's habit. Yeah. He can't live without training. So he needs to do this workout to train hard because it's habit. So it's part of life. I agree with that hundred uh, percent. Um, yeah. I'm, I have the question about uh, how to hook attention. Um, according to many uh, tools, uh, studies, uh, people uh, can bounce content for a few seconds. For example, if they watch YouTube videos, they can uh, 80% of people bounce for uh, 20 seconds. If they read blog articles, they usually read the first, the second sentence and bounce. Uh, it's the same with books. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, like five percent of all books are uh, read. So uh, in most cases, people ignore it. 
tell how to catch attention in the beginning and uh, provide a solid reason to read the whole content. Yeah, that's a great question. And that's the thing that I think a lot of marketers, a lot of writers, storytellers struggle with because it's so easy to publish content. There's, It's so easy to try to build a platform. And so you're now competing with everyone else who's trying to, to push out their blog post and push out their podcast episode and push out their book. So it's easier to get into the kind of playing field, but the playing field is so crowded now. So you have to find a unique way to stand out and stand above the crowd so that people will actually listen to you, right? Because there are, as crowded as there is, like there were some writers and podcasters and influencers who every, you know, who like 80% of the audience will listen to because they have, they have something unique, right? They either have a unique voice, they're saying something that's different, they're, they, they somehow understand the audience in a way that the vast majority of other people don't. Uh, because most of the content that's out there, I think, is just kind of written by default. It, and, and that's okay. Like, you know, if you're practicing, if you're just putting out content, like you said, to build up that habit of writing, and you're not necessarily doing it to build up a huge audience, that's okay. Um, but if you really are trying to reach people, focus on having like, wh what is your message? What are you really trying to get across? And then just stay hyper-focused on that. Don't try to, you know, develop, devolve into all the other trends or the other things that people are trying to say. Don't try to copy other people. Just say, hey, this is, this is what I know. This is what I'm good at. I have a unique perspective on this. I've done my unique research. I have something different to offer that nobody else can, can claim. I've done this research myself or something that's going to make people then turn to you. And, and in a way, some people will also echo what you've said. Like, you know, using Seth Godin as an example, there's so many people who link back to his blog because he's saying something that nobody else is saying, right? So they're echoing what he's saying. They're copying him. They're resharing what he's saying. And that's all pointing back to him as kind of an, an expert. Um, and again, once again, to tie in our, our topic, I think if you can do that through a story, if you can open a story loop and start to tell a story, that's going to you know, intrigue somebody. They're, they're going to want to find out, well, okay, I, I've heard about this character and their problem. What, what happens to them? Right. If you if you open up that story loop and, and draw people's attention in, they're going to want to read to the end to find out what happens, because we naturally when we hear a story and we've kind of been invited into that, we're, we're curious, we're intrigued. You've whetted our appetite yeah. and we, we want to figure out what happens next. So that's easier said than done. And you've got to have a story that's actually worth listening to and is relevant to your audience. But those are the types of pieces of content. Those are the types of books and stories that invite in the writer and, and make people want to read the entire piece. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I have the question about uh, call to action. For example, okay, uh, if I create content, but uh, the final goal is to sell. So, uh, yeah, uh, how to submit call to action? Because I see when content creators oversell, you know, they are trying to sell uh, more than sharing value. But if you share value, People are interested to know more and want to get uh, products because of uh, getting your story. Tell about call to action. How to submit the right call to action without overselling? Yeah. I mean, I think in a business setting, every story that you tell should have a call to action. Now, ideally, it should have one, not here's 12 different products that you could buy. Tell a story that points people directly to this one product, this one service that you have. We're signing up for this one event or webinar or listen to this. Like if you focus on something, it's going to increase the likelihood because they're not having to make a choice between 12 different things. You're just saying, do you want this thing? Yes or no. 
and you you put that at the end as well. So like you lead them up with a story, you tell them an example of, hey, this person started their business and they were really struggling and they couldn't figure it out. But then they they bought my book and they, you know, they invested the time and energy into doing this thing and they turned their business around. And here's what happened. Here's the happy resolution. Do you want that as well? Would you like for your business to stop struggling too? Well, then maybe you should check out this book or this course or this, you know, this whatever thing that helped the character in the story, point them to the same call to action and say, hey, you can you can have a similar story too. Wouldn't you like to have the same type of resolution in your life? Well, then here, here's the answer. I have the solution that you're looking for. So just, again, easier said than done. That's not always easy. And you don't always have that great testimonial that really sells your product. Maybe yet you need to be looking for that and listening for that. But if you can tie a, a direct line between the story, the character that you're talking about, and then this thing that you have that you know the audience can use to have a similar type of story, then I think it's a pretty easy no-brainer. So again, one call to action, put it at the end and connect it to a story that explains to people in just a crystal clear way, this is what you can expect from this book or this course or this product. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice, love it. Uh, you mentioned about... Uh, um, you know, uh, about uniqueness. Uh, yeah, before uh, this reply, you mentioned that uh, you need to share something unique. Uh, uh, let's talk more about that because, you know, um, content creators often uh, share a lot more than uh, probably readers need right now. It's hard, you know, to consume content with many, uh, so much data uh, uh, because uh, we have short memory uh, and uh, if I read an article with so much data, I can forget 95% uh, for a few hours now from uh, this information. But I found simplicity works well, you know, when you simplify experience and, uh, but uh, of course it depends on the audience. Uh, and for me, uniqueness uh, is important uh, uh, even, you know, many content creators just replicate others to uh, by using online tools to get 100% of uniqueness. But you can cheat people, you know, people can find the same content. And I often yeah. ask my friends about a new movie. What do you think? And uh, the most common reply, uh, nothing special. It's the same plot. I watch a lot of the same movies. Can you tell about sharing unique content uh, that uh, and uh, simplify experience uh, by consuming this content. Yeah. Again, it's a challenge. It's tough. I think your content ultimately should be a reflection of your business, right? And and hopefully, if you have a successful business or, you know, you've identified that unique space, that niche in your industry or in your you know local area or whatever it is. So hopefully your business has something unique, either about who you are, as you know, as an entrepreneur or business founder, where you're founded, like, hey, we're the only dog grooming shop in our local area. Well, you know, the niche in your industry, nobody else is offering an app quite like this. Like, hopefully there's something about your business that makes it unique. And then that gives you the opportunity to leverage that and talk about that in your content, right? So you can still have content that's generic to your audience. Like, hey, everybody in this industry is talking about these things. So we're going to talk about them too. Like there, there's space and a time for that, that generic content that everybody else, all your competitors are talking about. But hopefully if your business has something unique about it, if your business is offering something um, that's different from your competitors, 
that gives you an opportunity to, to highlight that within your content, within your blog posts, within your you know downloadable resources, within your podcast. Yeah. Um, and again, that just takes self-awareness. That takes understanding who your business is and who you are as an entrepreneur or as a marketer. Um, and, and maybe it's even just how you're focused, right? Everybody else, you know, all of our other competitors are just blogging about, you know, keyword heavy stuff. So we're going to try to really talk about our audience. We're going to talk about maybe stuff that's a little bit outside of our industry because we know that the people who we're serving need, you know, are, are asking these type of questions. So um, thinking outside the box a little bit, and that that's different for every different kind of business. Yeah. Um, but it just, you've got to push yourself a little bit to figure that out and figure out, you know, what your unique voice as a brand is. Um, and yeah, again, very difficult to do, very difficult to find examples of that kind of just generically, but um, take yeah. the time and invest in that and really just ask yourselves, why are we different? Why, why would somebody want to buy from us or, or partner with our business? And that's going to be the source of where that unique content is going to come from. Yeah, unique, unique selling proposition is a must have, you know, because uh, yes. I, I see when companies, uh, you know, uh, we uh, often get requests, uh, please create the same website that my competitors have, uh, check out my competitors, how they get traffic and sales, uh, let's steal this traffic and sales. But, you know, uh, I think uh, all competitors that rank well on Google or get traffic on YouTube, LinkedIn, anywhere, they usually consider that a strong site. In, uh, so, uh, for example, if I'm not good with filming, why I need to film content on YouTube if it's not my strong side? Probably I can write much better. Uh, I can, uh, I don't know, uh, have a podcast. So it depends. Can you tell about finding the right strategy? Because many marketers tell you need to analyze competitors uh, to find how they get traffic. Um, for example, by using SEMrush, Ahrefs, many other great tools. Uh, but I think it's better to find for their weaknesses and consider our strong side to create content on this field. Can you tell about creating the right strategy, uh, not replicating competitors? Yeah, I mean, understanding your competition is the is the first step. Like you, you have to see, okay, who else is my audience? You know, considering who else could they choose instead of my business? So, like that, you know, that has to be a part of it. But there's a lot of businesses and companies that just stop there and go, okay, well this is who they're choosing from. So I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to copy them. I'm going to replicate their website. I'm going to compete for the same keywords. And yeah, that that's kind of just locking you in a zero sum game where you're just going straight head to head with your competitor. And I think you should take it to the next level and go, yeah, what, what aren't they doing? What, you know, content aren't they offering? Okay, cool. They're, they're not, they don't have, you know, none of my competitors have a YouTube channel. So let me try to take advantage of that. Maybe there's a reason that they're not on YouTube. Maybe our audience isn't there, but if they're not there and our audience is, well, gosh, I've got a huge opportunity to, to take advantage of that and, and grab all the people on this specific platform. Um, I think it's also really worthwhile to not just look at competitors, but look at um, like similar companies, maybe uh, a business who's very you know comparable to yours is doing the same thing, but they're in a completely different market, right? They're in a different uh, city or they're they're targeting a different like demographic like you you're trying to reach younger people they're trying to reach older people or vice versa like look at a company that's doing something similar to yours but you're not competing directly with and either like just look at what they're doing online look at what kind of content they're putting out there look how their website is structured or you maybe even be bold enough to reach out to them directly and say hey I really like what you've done. I think you're doing a really great job. Can I jump on a call with you and pick your brain and see what's working well for you guys? Uh, within Green Melon, I mean, we have 
very many uh, other marketing agencies that we have good relationships with, right? They don't exactly target the exact same uh, type of clients. Uh, they they have kind of slightly different services, but they're still a marketing agency. And so we can talk to them and ask them questions about you know how to hire the right employees or how to do your own internal marketing or how to structure your clients' websites or how to deal with this type of problem. Like there's so many different things that you can do with like comparable businesses and organizations that aren't direct competitors. And I think that's just such a healthier way to look at it because then you're not thinking about it in a competitive mindset. You're thinking about it like, how can I be inspired by these people? How can I learn from these people? And maybe how can I even teach them something that we learned in our business? Like that's, that's so much more relational rather than like cutthroat and competitive. And so I think that's just the approach that we like to take. That's the approach that we like to recommend our clients take um, just because it's a, it's a healthier mindset. And I think it, it generates better results from a business standpoint, but then also that bleeds into the content you're producing and how you're, you're setting up your business's online presence. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Valuable. Uh, Robert, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list common mistakes that businesses still do and how to find a much better way, according to your experience, uh, if you create uh, or use storytelling style? Yeah, I mean, that's a very broad question. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to think about it from more of a like just storytelling lens. Like what are the storytelling mistakes maybe that businesses make when it comes to marketing? Um, one of them is thinking that everything that they tell is a story or that it has to be a story that every like we've got to cram story in there somehow, or we have to use that as a buzzword. And I think that's a mistake because I mean, number one, not everything is a story. Uh, and then number two, not, you know, not everything has to be, you, there's a time and place to use that very powerful tool. Um, and you want to connect the right story and the right message to the right audience and the right platform. So, uh, you know, unless you've done that, like, don't, don't just go slinging a story around everywhere, find the right places to share it. Um, I think it's also very important to, like, we've, this has been the undercurrent of this whole conversation don't just tell stories and don't just do marketing things that just talk about your business and yourself. Um, it's easy to do that by default because as, as the business owners, as the business marketers, like we, we understand our own perspective. And so we're naturally going to like by tell those stories that we see. Uh, but we have to take some time to get out of our own shoes and see things from our audience's perspective. And that really means spending time with them, asking them questions, having empathy for the struggles that they're going through. And if we start doing that, we're going to start hearing their stories and then hopefully get excited and want to share those with everybody else. Um, and that takes time to collect those. That takes time to listen for them and to build the trust of them allowing you to tell that story. Um, but if we don't invest in that, we're just going to be telling boring stories about ourselves. That's not going to really provide any value or any interest in, to anybody else. So I think probably those are the, the two biggest mistakes when it make, comes to storytelling, because it's just, it takes some extra effort. It takes some extra investment and thought to try to do those things. But I think it's really worth that extra investment if you're going to actually tell effective stories within your business's marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, let's help uh, someone from my audience uh, who want to become an expert in one day. Uh, let's imagine you have no experience, knowledge, skills. You started from scratch completely. Uh, you didn't write any books. You didn't write any texts. You just from scratch. What will you do today to improve your writing skills and uh, to create uh, awesome stories? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to become an expert, um, I mean, first of all, don't don't go around calling yourself an expert because I have a natural skepticism for anybody who says 
yeah, I'm, I'm the social media expert. I'm like, well, I would <laughs> rather you prove it rather than tell me that. Um, second, it's, I think you really need to have a focus. You really do, like, just like your business needs to have a unique selling point. I think you as a, a content expert, a topic expert, needs to have some specific niche, some specific unique um, area that you're trying to focus on, right? Um, I mean, storytelling, marketing, business, those are very general, broad categories. But if you can focus down a little bit more specifically in niche and go, well, no, I, I like to talk about creating digital content for small businesses, or I like to talk about storytelling within you know, small businesses and nonprofits or something like that. If you can close it in and go a little bit more specific, you'll actually reach an, a wider audience than just trying to be another one of the the marketing experts out there, right? And there's a lot of things that you can talk about within each of those different niche subjects. And you can talk about things outside of that. But if you want to be the kind of go-to person for anything, it helps to be one of the few in a small area, be a big fish in a small pond, rather than being trying to, a, a small fish in a big pond where you're just trying to swim with everybody else. So I, I think that's one of the things. And I mean, just like we're talking about here, consuming content, looking at other brands, reading books on those subjects. Like typically there's a lot of content that's already out there. So just be a student, like listen to everything else that everybody has talked about. Make sure you're not copying them. Make sure to learn from them and reference them. But then also, you know, then where there are gaps in the marketplace, what other topics people haven't talked about. And so then you can focus on those things and say, hey, nobody's talking about this thing. I'm going to add my voice to the conversation in a way that's meaningful and relevant rather than just regurgitating something everybody else has said. So I think those are the steps towards actually becoming an expert and somebody that uh, people can trust and listen to on a topic. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, experts uh, never uh, name themselves experts yeah, because true. they are students. <laughs> so yeah. they're students on this life. And But uh, yeah, I often see this issue on LinkedIn when people share on their bio i'm guru i'm expert but i i don't see on gary v account on neil patel account on uh, sam godin account they are experts because they are students you know these people yep. achieved a lot but they're students they keep learning updating and going ahead i have the question about uh, ai uh can you tell do we need to use ai today because people are looking for simple solutions uh by generating text with ai tools uh by the way i use them but i edit a lot uh yeah. i just get ideas from ai they can help to save my time you know by looking for keywords tell about ai uh do we need to consider ai by creating content or not that's an interesting question and i think that's constantly changing if you'd asked me that like five years ago I would have said, no, I mean, at that point, it wasn't ready. The The technology wasn't at a point where it was actually generating good content. It was just kind of it was doing a lot of guesswork. In, in the past few years, like AI has done a lot. It's it's pretty incredible to see some of the tools, I mean, from a writing perspective and content creation perspective, but also from I mean, like a graphic design perspective. AI is pretty, pretty powerful. And it's amazing to, even, I mean, it's just fascinating to even watch some of those tools and what they're capable of. Um, but just like you said, it's at the point right now that it's helpful and it can get us to a starting point, but it still very much sounds like a computer generated blog post or computer generated yeah. ebook. And so it still needs that human touch. It still needs the humanization, the personalization that only we can give right now. Now in, in five more years, I don't know, maybe we won't be able to tell the difference between something that a person has written and something that a computer has written. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> but yeah, for right now, I, I think 
some AI tools are capable of at least helping us and at least getting us some of the way there. Um, but I, I do think you still need to add your own thoughts and um, and do the work to edit it and craft it and do it in a way um, that that makes sure that people know that it's from a human and it's it's relevant rather than just yeah computers getting us eighty percent of the way there and we can kind of fill in that last ten to twenty percent. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's but fascinating anyway. where where the, the technology is going. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I think copywriters are not dangerous, mediocre copywriters in dangerous because AI tools can beat them, you know, in one side. Uh, but great writers, no way. Great writers can share stories, can provoke emotions. Uh, and um, yeah, I check out many times uh, AI content. And uh, by the way, uh, OpenAI updated their algorithm uh, with new version. Uh, da Vinci 3, I got this message, I didn't test it, I need to test, uh, because it creates more, uh, le- uh, it's not like emotions, it's more about uh, long content, because before that, that was created like just short content, it's interesting, sure. I- I'll test it, but I think, yeah, uh, I th- if you update your skills, you can beat AI uh, in one side, just do your job and yes. yeah, uh, I, I can't uh, cover emotions. Uh, now, I, I'm not sure about future, but uh, we'll see. So uh, marketers can adapt fast now to any challenges. And I have the final question. Uh, can you tell about the future of content creation? Your forecast about the future, prediction, uh, what kind of future will be from your experience? Ooh, that's a that's a really great one. It's always, it's a challenge to, to make those predictions and um, I mean, there are more platforms that are coming on. I mean, new social channels, the social you know, networks change every single day. Um, so, I, you know, I think when it comes to platforms, I think that's always adapting and changing. And I mean, I think blogging and podcasting will still be relevant. It just may be that how we do those and, you know, the, the length of the content, you know, longer podcast episodes, longer blog posts, the, the, what we're focused on, how we tell those stories um, might change. But ultimately... I think we can still take solace in the fact that the the quality shouldn't change. And if we're focused on our audience, if we're providing value, if we're helping them learn, if we're understanding their pain point, like those things, they're not going to change in the future because they haven't changed in the past either. Right. Like that's been the truth of marketing for a hundred plus years. And so uh, we can still focus on those things and know that whatever new platforms change out there, whatever Facebook's algorithm does, or, you know, if Twitter is still around or not, um, you know, those still, those principles will, will remain the same. So yeah, I mean, it's, gosh, I don't know what my actual predictions would be. I think, you know, in 10 years, things will probably look roughly the same. I think we'll have a few new players and they'll, you know, multi-channel strategies where you're creating videos and then you take the audio and you put it in a podcast and you get the transcription. Like, I think that's going to become more and more important. And there may be even more skills that you have to add on top of that. Um, it's only going to probably get more fragmented and more complicated as we go. But again, that can confuse us and distract us, or we can just say, hey, no, 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 regardless of the type of content, regardless of who I'm targeting or how I'm targeting them, I just have to know who my audience is, what pain points they have, how I can serve them, how I can add value to them, how I can make their life better. If we, if we just stay focused on those things, I, I think everything else is just, it's just learning new skills and learning new platforms. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Awesome. Robert, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, robertcarnes.org is my website. 
Uh, you can also follow me on most of the social media channels at Jam Rob Carr. Um, and then also, if you are interested in the book on storytelling that I just wrote, The Story Cycle, it's uh, storycyclebook.com is where you can learn more information about that. So yeah, I encourage anybody to reach out to me. Uh, check us out. Also, greenmelonmedia.com is the name of our agency. Uh, it's where I work. And so you can check out the, the work we do there as well. So looking forward to connecting with anybody who's interested. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back any time back to share more valuable insights. I love it, guys. You need to read this book because you can see a lot of value if you want to become a better marketer. Just do it. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.